Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley, and I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host. Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, we have got a fascinating guest and a very interesting topic, and I'm going to get right into it. We are going to talk about shared journeys to the afterlife. Will you want to introduce our guest? Sure. We're going to talk, be talking today with William Peters. William is a psychotherapist. He is the founder of Shared Crossing Project and director of its research initiative. And he is the author of At Heaven's Door, What Shared Journeys to the Afterlife Teach About Dying Well and Living Better. Welcome to the show, William. Thank you, Heidi. Good to be here. Thank you, Gloria, as well. It's great having you on. So let's get right into it. What is a shared death experience? Well, a shared death experience happens when somebody dies and a caregiver, loved one, and in some cases, a bystander will report that they feel like they shared in the transition from this human life into the afterlife, which they almost always refer to as benevolent, uh, with the dying person. So they kind of hitch a ride with the dying wow. and, and take that journey with them. And it's very similar to the near-death experience in terms of phenomenon features. So if you're familiar with the NDE, as they call it, then, then you, you have the correct understanding conceptually of what this experience can be. That's like uh, maybe people that I've heard in operations hovering over the body and watching it. Exactly. Like yeah, you just named uh, a, a foundational feature of the near-death experience, which is the out-of-body experience mm -hmm. when you're hovering above your body. And, and mm -hmm. we hear that a lot in our research too. The other one is seeing uh, deceased relatives in the afterlife who are healthy and vibrant and serve as a welcoming party. Uh, this we see in, in that exists in both the near-death experience and in the shared-death experience. The dominant feature of the shared-death experience is that the caregiver loved one will see the dying in this transition process. They'll see them entering oh, wow. into the afterlife. They'll see them encountering uh, you know, guides, spirit beings, what have you. They'll see the, uh, the light in the distance, the feature, which is so profound in the near-death experience, also exists in the shared-death experience. So it seems like this landscape that exists between the human existence and what happens for us post-human death is the same. Uh, and I've got to say, because Heidi told me a story a few years ago of an automobile accident she was in. Yeah, I, I had what sounds like a near-death experience when I was involved in a, in a head-on collision and my car was totaled and I was trapped in the car and I left my body. And when I left, I was going towards a light and I was out of the trauma. So it felt really good and it felt really warm and it felt really safe. And I didn't see my brother, but I knew I was going to. Like I was walking towards that light and towards the idea that he was going to be there. And then I got pulled back into the accident and the fire department was there trying to, with the jaws of life, trying to get the door open. And I didn't want to be in that. 
I did, it was hard for me to be back because I wanted to be in this other place that I had transcended into. I mean, you just named a near-death experience, Heidi. Mm -hmm. And the fact that, you know, I know something about your family history that your brother died and yes. you felt like he was going to be there. And did you, yes. were you, were you thinking about him or did you sense or feel his presence? I sensed and felt him. Yeah. So there you're right on it. And, you know, yeah. I'm getting, I'm getting kind of those goosebumps as you're talking, mm -hmm. because that tells me that we're right on the truth here. Um, yeah. That is what we know is that our, you know, closest loved ones will be there to greet us. And the literature, the research abounds in, in both shared death studies now. And there's of course a mountain of this research in the NDE literature and many major figures, including, you know, Dr. Eben Alexander and Anita Morjani and others who share these profound experiences. Um, but you had one and I had and, one and so too. I, I was going to say, so William, when you were in high school, I read you had one when you were skiing, right? Yes. Uh, and I'll say, uh, Heidi, similar to you, a high speed skiing accident uh, broke my back. Wow. You know, high trauma, similar to your car accident, and I was catapulted out of my body. Mm -hmm. And the next thing I knew, I was looking at my body on the ski slopes and moving away from it and quite enamored, quite at peace mm -hmm. uh, and seeing eventually a satellite view of the planet Earth. And then the light appeared and I knew I was heading towards it. I did not want to die. That was a very clear uh, insight that a lot of near-death experiencers do not have. Some people are so content up there uh, that they don't want to return to their earthly life. In my case, I was clear and was pleading with God. I said, God, do not let me die. Do not let me die. I have to go back. I did not accomplish in this lifetime what I incarnated to do. And I don't know where that knowledge came from inside me. It was just so there. So that was my first near-death experience. Well, this is interesting. The only thought I had, other than the fact that I was excited to see my brother, was a very was a stronger thought that my parents couldn't lose another child. Yeah. Beautiful. So I think that thought was so profound that I knew if I could, I needed to return to the earth. I, I, I so appreciate you sharing that because that tells us, you know, both our experience being our bodies being traumatized, pushed towards death, we travel a similar path. And then there are our individual personal needs, you know, karmas, whatever terminology you want to use that determine perhaps what our life plan is. And I love hearing what you said about your, you know, I have to go back, no matter whether that means I'm going to suffer, I'm going to be injured, I'm going to have, you know, some sort of, you know, God forbid, permanent disability or, or injury, but no, you were going back because of your love for your parents. And that's right. beautiful. Wow, that really gets me right at the heart. So tell us um, the shared death experience. That's different because you are just going with somebody else's light. You're moving with them. They're leaving this world. I hear people saying, I tried to get there or I got the call or I was out in the hall you know, when the hospital, when they died. And what do I do with that? There's some, can be guilt involved with it. Yeah. I mean, and that, that is of course common when you hear the beauty and grandeur and, you know, the amazing feeling of a shared death experience and you don't have one uh, with a loved one that happens more often than not. Um, we don't know how much the shared death experience happens. I, 
I, I couldn't even say. What I can say is this, is that um, for people who prepare to have a shared death experience and do certain steps and have certain spiritual practices, mindfulness practices, they tend to have, the, have them more often. But for those who don't have them, I think we all need to accept death is a mystery. We don't know why certain things happen and certain things don't. And so I work with a lot of people who come to me and say, God, I, you know, I really, I, you know, I'm familiar with the shared death experience. I've read your research and your, you know, now the book and, and I didn't have one. And I just say, yeah, I'm so sorry. I know you wanted that, but let's just sit with that desire and you can do certain things with it. You can read about the shared death experience and you can know if you believe these stories and most people do that your loved one who's now gone for you is alive and well somewhere mm -hmm. and, and, and typically in a beautiful place and you don't need to fear death and that, you know, we, you can engage in practices, whatever feels right for you um, to have a, a type of relationship with them. And there's a whole therapy that I and others do. It's called continuing bonds. It's like, it gives the bereaved an opportunity to shape their relationship with the, their deceased loved ones on their own terms. And that can include things like if they have a sense of presence that their loved ones are around every now and then. And I've heard you uh, share a glory about uh, dimes. I believe it is that you see. Oh, yes. So that's, that's a post-death synchronicity. And, you know, I'm a researcher too. And I had a hard time believing these synchronicities about, you know, money, pennies, nickels, quarters showing up and meaning something. And yet when I look at the research on this from the people who've shared this with us, they mean something. Elizabeth Boisson, she lost her son uh, suddenly on Mount Everest, but he had a red Tacoma, a Toyota car. She says anytime she's thinking about him or anytime she's making a major decision, she says there are red Tacoma Toyotas all around. She says, I can't make this uh -huh. up. I'm with my family members and we're saying, oh my God, here we are again, making a big decision and look at how many of these red cars are around here. Mm -hmm. So we, we can't, I think, the, I think the evidence suggests that there is something vaster, mysterious, that our rational minds and our scientific ways don't want to believe in a certain way because we can't explain it. And yet I think we need, that's where we need to open to wonder and mystery about death and the connection with our loved ones uh, beyond the veil. So we can look for signs. What are some other things we can do? Well, I mean, like I said, you know, I, I think reading these stories is a way um, of taking heart and like, well, I didn't have that, but look at how many other people similar to me did have it. And you can be in groups with people who are sharing these stories and why, and you know, you can't say like, well, you can have the why me, but you can also have like, okay, I didn't have it, but I know it's possible. And I know my loved one um, is alive and well in a benevolent afterlife somewhere. And I will see them again. That's what the literature says. That's what our research says over and over again. So I know you have classes or talk to people. How do you do that? Yeah, How it's basically three steps. And the first step is to acknowledge that these experiences, the shared death experience, and a whole host of other end-of-life phenomena, pre-death dreams and visions, post-death visions and visitations, synchronicities, all these events are happening and they're all invitations 
to connect with the other side and connect with our loved ones and to feel the guidance, love and support from, you know, spirit beings, angels, guides, whatever language works for you. Um, and, you know, I, you should know, I am a very traditionally trained psychotherapist. I came to my understanding through, I dare say, many hundreds of deeply uh, analyzed cases and working with my clients. And so I just, you know, at some point, I just threw up my hands and said, oh my gosh, there is so much happening here that tells us that we're connected across the veil. We just need to listen and trust. And now we have the research to say this is happening. So there's that first piece. The second part of the training is working with your psycho-emotional spiritual relationships with yourself intrapersonally and with your, your loved ones in your life. So really looking over your life, looking at regrets, you know, working with forgiveness, compassion, uh, reconciling wherever you can, and really lightening your soul, spirit, heart as you approach death. This is pre-death and post-death. This type of work really, really allows for these communications to happen. And then if you're on the preparation side of this pre-death, then there are a series of exercises that we guide people through. But, you know, in, in short, one would be looking at your loved ones and saying, hey, I just want you to know we've had a great life together and I am so thankful for the time we spent together. I want to say thank you. Hopefully you or I don't die for a long time, but I don't want to miss the opportunity to say thank you to you, how grateful I am that we spent this time together and that I love you and that I hope to see you again. Um, and, and then you have that piece of deep empathic connection that bind, that gets your hearts connected, your souls connected. And I, my, my research on this suggests that that bond right there, if you can really make that in this life, you have a higher likelihood of continuing that through death. And then we have some other protocols. We call them share crossing protocols, where when the person dies, um, we teach them how to reach back, call back to their loved ones living in the, in the human dimension and say to them, come with me. We teach them how to bring them um, into the afterlife so they can know that their deceased loved one now is you know, safe, well cared for and happy. That's what we call it. Uh, that's the purpose. And so there's, there's some technology about how we, we work with the people as they're dying so that they can remember these Protocol. And, and William, I love this because I think two of the things that we hear often that people are most concerned about is that their loved ones were not at peace when they died. They want to make sure that they're at peace. Yeah. And they want to make sure that they are okay now. That's right. And and that's you you're right on it, Heidi. That's exactly what we're looking for in our shared crossing work, too. Mm -hmm. That's why we work, you know, people were known for our trainings to help people have these experiences and our research documenting the shared death experience. But I work with people afterwards and do a lot of what we would call in the you know, psychological profession, a lot of repair work, a lot of empathic mm -hmm. repair. And, oh, I love that. Yeah, and, but so you can do it on any side, but if you're on the front side of a death with all of us here are right now, mm -hmm. then, then this is a time to practice. This is the, the preparation for a conscious, connected and loving end of life. And that practice starts now because we don't know when we're going to die. We don't know Heidi when you know you're you know you you didn't see your car accident happening. I didn't see my right. ski accident happening and we were just, you know, 
uh, a shade away from death. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, tell people how they can get in touch with you and about your book and Thanks. all your websites and everything you're doing. Uh, thank you, Gloria. Yeah. So you can find me and my work at sharedcrossing.com. And I would invite people to go to our story library. It is a, it is the first of its kind just came out a few months ago on video narratives of people having the shared death experience. So you'll hear these people talking in three to five minute uh, snippets about their experience. And I think that's very affirming to people who say, is this real? You know, mm-hmm. certainly uh, the book I just uh, published with Simon and Schuster at heaven's door uh, has 28 stories. They're far more in depth. Uh, much more textured. I give my interpretation and I offer some typologies for understanding these experiences. That's a good resource. And then we have courses. I teach one with Raymond Moody, and that's typically a popular one that because since mm-hmm. he's well known in the near-death experience and he's also a researcher in the shared death experience. So we teach some courses together. And your website is? Uh, sharedcrossing.com. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, William Yerdahl. Thank you, Gloria. Thank you, Heidi. Thank you, William, and thank you for helping people find hope after loss through all the work that you're doing. We want to thank everybody for joining us on this show today, and Heidi and I always want to remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own, and God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation, where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.